Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the In The Clutch podcast. My name is Drew Clutchy, and I'm here alongside my co-host, Jeremy Wilson. This is the last episode of season one, and then just like that, we'll be into season two because the NBA draft has already gone by, and free agency is about to happen. But before we get into all of that at the start of season two, which will be coming at you next week, we're going to cover just what we haven't covered yet, which is just how the NBA finals ended, and then our overall thoughts from this NBA season. So, Jer, give me your first thoughts on the NBA finals. Steph Curry was great. Um, he wasn't necessarily transcend, transcendently great. It's a tough word. Yeah. Um, he, it wasn't like an all-time great finals performance in my eyes. He was very, very good. Wiggins was really good, and uh, Jordan Poole was really good too. So he, Steph was great, but his supporting cast was also probably better than the Celtics supporting cast, and he played way better than Tatum. What a pickup. Wiggins was like I know that sounds obvious because he played such great defense all the way throughout the finals and everything but the fact that now I think he's totally wiped the bust label that he had over him for a long time I that's totally gone now and he turned into ultimately what we've hypothesized that Wiggins could be for a few seasons which is if he was just like a second or third option offensively and really bought in defensively because he's a big athletic wing that he'd be off to the races yeah, and I, I'm not even sure he he's wiped off the bus label so much as he's proven he should have never had the bus label. Because I always go to Minnesota. It, like you're right. It's not that he's a much better player now. It's just that he's not asked to do things that he can't do. Right. He's asked to score naturally. You don't have to press anything when you have Steph Curry on your team. So score score when the shot comes and go play defense, and he's clearly proven that he can do that. The Warriors are in a really, really, like, obviously this goes without saying, because I was talking to my dad, actually, and he asked if this was the last one for the Warriors, now that, like, obviously Steph's another year older, Clay, blah, 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 and I was like, they have a number one draft pick from, like, two years ago or a year and a half ago that they didn't even play. <laughs> and Number, number plays, two draft pick, right? Yeah, sorry, like, yeah, high for, yeah, number two draft yeah. pick. And then I'm like, additionally, he plays the he plays the position where they're arguably the weakest. <laughs> so right. I'm like, they have there's so much yet to be had because the Warriors obviously, putting aside the fact that they opt to play small ball a lot, they this year they also had no choice because even though Looney had some games where he got like 16 rebounds, he had one with like 22 rebounds or something. Looney himself is only like six foot nine. Like having Looney at center is kind of like having a precious Achua type kind of center, right? It's not like a big bruising seven footer like Wiseman is. So I'm trying to decide who I think is a better player, Fresh Chew or Colin Looney, and I'm not sure. I'd take Looney right now, but the same they're the same style of play. But do you see the Precious Achua transition three in a playoff game? Yeah, but Precious has never gotten us twenty two rebounds. Yeah, but I don't know, man. That transition three was scary. Anyway, um yeah, the Emmy is in a really interesting place right now. And I was thinking about this earlier today where if you rewind five years, the finals were a predetermined outcome. The question wasn't who was going to the finals. It was who was winning the finals. It's going to be LeBron or the Warriors. Right. Um, and now we're at the point where it's like, you could tell me the Warriors are going to win it. You could tell me that the Celtics are going to win it. You could tell me that the 76ers have a chance of winning it and that the Nets, if they pull something together, have a chance. At, like, you could tell me probably up to six to eight teams have a chance at it. And I would say, you're not crazy. 
And four years ago, if you told me, hey, you know what? I think this team can make a run this year. I was like, no, they can't. It's LeBron and the Warriors. Right. And it's interesting, too, because you could tell me that six to eight teams have a run at, like, could have a serious chance of it. Like, have proven superstar players like LeBron and Kawhi and Steph and all that. But then you could also then tell me there are three or four teams on the bubble where if they did magically end up kind of in the finals, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, it would be more of a longer shot, but still not unreasonable to say. Right, and I think you've got at least three teams from each league, from each conference, that have a legitimate – like, that at least are going into the season with championship expectations. Right. Which – we haven't been in that position, I feel like, in a little while. Yeah, no, well, and that's what, when you always hear Adam Silver talk, right, that's what he's always looking for is he wants what they refer to as parity across the league, right? And because we've gone from, like, a three-superstar system and we're kind of broken back down to two now where we've got Kawhi and PG and LeBron and AD and Steph and Clay and Dre, which is kind of a big three, but it's also a big one with a, it's a solid one with a big, or it's a big one with a solid two or however you look at that. Same thing with the Bucks, where the Bucks are kind of a big three, but they're also like a great one with solid two, all that kind of stuff. So the league is really spread out now again, where we're away from like, it's Tim Duncan and his other superstar teammates, or Hall of Fame teammates, I guess, and LeBron and his Hall of Fame teammates and stuff like that. And then every once in a while, you have somebody like Dirk or Kawhi in Toronto just steal one on their own. Yeah, I, I just like to rewind us back to the big four of... Uh... Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond against the big four of um, LeBron, J.R., Tristan Thompson, and Matthew Delvadova. Yeah, that's a big four. If if J.R. knew the score, you know. (sighs) If J.R. knew the score, who knows? Who knows how that finals would have went? Yeah, tell me about it. I think J.R. still looks back at that. Um, Imagine putting up 51-8-8 in a finals game and losing because your teammate doesn't know the score. That's tough. Because, like, I will admit there are various basketball games played where I didn't know the score, but to be fair, I knew we were down 30 or more. Like, Did you ever know I... the score when it was within five points with less than 10 seconds left? Yeah. Like, you and I had some games in Whitby where I was like, I don't know the score, but I just know it's not going well. But, <laughs> like, to be down and, re- like, really not know the score and to be tied, like, that's that's saying something. That's but, tough. Um, so now we've got into, so I totally agree with what you said about the Warriors. Like, so Steph was great, but not all-time great. Draymond had a couple bad games, but effectively in the end, he was Draymond. And he had a great game six, like hit a couple big clutch jumpers and stuff like that. Wiggins was like unexpectedly way better than like, the bar was reasonably high for Wiggins to put up at least 15 points and play reasonable defense. But he was like a defensive lock and super like clutch fourth quarter buckets. I'm just going to interrupt you quickly. Was Wiggins the second best player in the finals? Not on the Warriors, in the yeah. finals. Oh, God, yeah. Easy. And then, to me, Jordan Poole was just okay because he was really hot-cold. But yeah. because of his role on the team, Jordan Poole needed to be just okay. Yeah. It, like, Clay Thompson was, like, 39% from three, which is obviously good enough. And then Jordan yeah, Poole exactly. Because of who the Warriors are, Jordan Poole doesn't have to be really good. And you can survive the cold as long as he doesn't you know, overshoot himself. Exactly. Well, especially at this point in his career, right? Right. So they need the, when he goes hot, you're great. And when he goes cold, you can survive. Right. So the Warriors to me just kind of did what was expected. Like they had a very solid team. 
And going into the season, we didn't know what situation they were going to be in terms of Wiseman and the health of Clay and all that kind of stuff. But Clay coming back and shooting 39% from three and the emergence of Jordan Poole as like a six-man slash starting point guard on a really bad team, like mm. that made a big difference for them, obviously. So when the Warriors went all the way, I wasn't surprised. Like I was kind of shooting for the Warriors down the latter half after game 60 or so. I thought, you know what, they – Clay's starting to look pretty good, and they really do have a chance here. Right. But, um, to me, the bigger thing I took away from the finals is, wow, are the Celtics great on paper, and wow, are they bad in practice. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Celtics are really interesting because they – like in game one, you saw how great they can be when Derek White was knocking down shots and Al Horford was knocking down shots, and Robert Williams is a great defender. But – Jason Tatum isn't a superstar, and they needed the superstar. Um, and I don't know if Jason Tatum can be the superstar, but he's not right now, and that's what they needed. Jason Tatum was mean to us because he almost tricked us into thinking he was a superstar. Because the way he played them, the ways he played in round one and two, were like, wow, Jason Tatum, like that's a superstar player, maybe. Like if he just, if he just continues to play well for the rest of the playoff run, then he'll be the he would have gotten the label of like the very last superstar for me. Like right, right now the person holding that label is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is the very last guy on my superstar list of the list of seven or eight guys maybe who I really put on that upper tier. And Jason Tatum was almost about to make himself the last player on the list. And then he just choked it away. Right. Now, to be fair to Tatum, the thing that stands out to me less is I know Everybody's freaking out, like Jason Tatum and the most turnovers by a player in the playoffs ever and all that kind of stuff. And to me, those stats are empty. Because, like, obviously Jason Tatum, put aside the fact that it's the most, he had a lot of turnovers. Right. But he was also put in a situation that was conducive to that. So, like, many of the Celtics players are, like, not great necessarily catch and shoot players depending on the game grant williams didn't play very well they need tatum to go out and get a bucket but then the warriors obviously know that and they're putting wiggins on him which wiggins turned out to be a great defender and has great size and length and draymond's in help and kavon looney played great and all that kind of stuff so i think the fact that it was the most turnovers stands out to me less like obviously it was significant that he had a lot of turnovers and he has to play better than that but i also don't think it's like as detrimental as other people are making it seem like Tatum had a bad playoff series and a bad, like his third round was kind of not great either. But to me, it's not like make or break because that's something that as a player, he can improve on. Right. And, um, I saw this, that on, uh, first things first, I think Nick Wright pulled it up. Um, and I've just pulled it up again. Um, in terms of most turnovers in a single NBA playoff run, Second is 2017-18 LeBron, who went to the finals, lost to the Warriors, and I think led both teams in every statistical category. Um, third is 05-06 Dwayne Wade, who won the finals and I think was finals MVP. Um, fourth is Larry Bird in 83-84, who I think won the finals. 05-06 Shaq, who was in the finals, clearly. Um, and it's just – it's – you can keep going down the list with Isaiah Thomas and LeBron again and Magic. and uh, It's players who went to the finals mostly or at least the conference finals and had the ball in their hands constantly. 
and you're going to rack up turnovers like that. So it's not necessarily an indicative stat. Well, and the other thing too is his minutes were ridiculously high. Like, it's an indicative stat in the sense of yes, he needs to play better. And like, obviously, winning players on winning teams and winning seasons don't have stat lines like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not indicative in terms of like, wow, like Tatum's just not it. It's like he wasn't it this year. Right. But other people I've seen all over like podcasts and social media and all that kind of stuff, people are talking about it like it's the end of the world. Oh, and Jordan never did that and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we knew we knew going into this playoff run that Tatum wasn't Jordan. <laughs> and he right. wasn't like LeBron on a winning team and he's not Steph Curry. Like we knew all of that. So when Tatum ultimately at the end didn't have enough gas left in the tank and got beat by like better players on a better team, I I didn't think that was the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, all we really learned was that he isn't necessarily who we made him out to be. I think lot, lots of people, including me, thought he could be a superstar. And during the season, he was playing like one of the five, ten best players in the league. Um, but he didn't show up the way he needed to in the finals. And he wasn't horrible in the finals. He was just okay. And that's not good enough for a superstar. Well, and if you had Tatum at the end of the regular season, if you had him sneaking into fifth in the MVP voting, that was reasonable to me. Right. So then to get all the way to the finals after having such a great year and then choke it away is disappointing. But yeah, I don't think it's like the end of the world. The interesting thing for the Celtics for me now is they put themselves in a very Toronto Maple Leaf situation, which is like they don't really like have anything to blame for losing they just kind of didn't win because like when you look at them on paper they were the number one defensive team in the league and like marcus smart to point guard is a great change that they've made horford played pretty well and he's only going to get older than he is right now and robert williams was hurt but played so he was on in the lineup jalen brown was probably arguably their best player in the finals so other than oh yeah tatum turned the ball over a lot there's nothing really else to say about them. But the other important thing is the Warriors got them in six. So even if Tatum turns the ball over less, they still might lose to the Warriors. So right. they're kind of in like a Toronto Maple Leafs situation where when you look at, which I know that's a hockey reference on a basketball podcast. But when you look at the Leafs this year in the playoffs, in seven games, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander had like nine, eight, and seven points respectively. So... When you look at why you lost now, obviously they could go get a better goaltender, but given salary cap and all that kind of stuff, you can't really do that if you want to keep the other guys. So you're kind of at a, in a what-do-we-do-now situation. And it's the same for the Celtics, where it's like, yes, Tatum's going to get better next year, and Brown will get better, but Horford's going to get worse potentially a little bit. And like Williams will be healthy, but if Marcus Smart gets injured, then that negates it. You know what I mean? Right, so but... I- I think the I think the conversation is is Marcus Smart good enough to be your point guard? Obviously, he's a great defender, and he is a well above average guard, but he is not by nature an initiator. He's not like Chris Paul, or even like a player, um, like Lonzo or like Ricky Rubio, where he's an initiator for others, and he's not really a shot creator himself. Yeah, but somebody you have to have some deficiency at point guard unless you're gonna have LeBron playing your point guard. So like when we 
talked about this a few weeks, well, I guess a few episodes ago. I don't want to say a few weeks ago because that could be a long time. But um, when we talked about talked about this a few few episodes ago. We said that Marcus Smart was literally like 15, like he was the most average passing playmaking point guard in the league. So if you're gonna get a better floor general point guard, then you're gonna give up. Obviously, you, no matter who you put a point guard, you're gonna give up defensively because he's the defensive player of the year point guard. Well, you're not gonna take Marcus Smart out of the lineup though. You're just gonna shift him to shooting guard. Yeah, but then what are you going to trade to get a point? Because if you're saying you want a better point guard than Marcus Smart, then you have to get somebody who's a top 15 point guard. Or The question isn't about getting a top 15 point guard necessarily. It's about getting a quality starting point guard who can create his own shot and create a shot for others. And I think... Even a player, like, I'm not suggesting they get Jalen Brunson because apparently the Knicks are going to give Jalen Brunson a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, we'll talk about that in season two, which will come out next week. But, man, anyway. So I'm not suggesting they get Jalen Brunson, but I think Jalen Brunson would be a great player for them to have. And then instead of have instead of running with the combination of Al Horford and Robert Williams or Grant Williams and Robert Williams in the starting lineup, you're going to run smart shooting guard, Jalen Brown, small forward, Tatum and power forward, and Robert Williams at center. And I think that just makes your lineup so much better, especially if you can add a point guard. Even, like, I know Monte Morris also just got traded, which is probably we'll go into in season two as well. Um, but even Monte Morris is a great shooting, initiating point guard. Yeah, that's fair. Would you trade Marcus Smart and draft assets for DeJounte Murray? No, I, I think Marcus Smart, he's not like, he's not Draymond Green to the Warriors important, but he's more Nobody's important Draymond than the just the, he's more important than just the defensive player of the year even suggests. Like he, that number one defense in the league is, I think, all centered around him. Like I think he's the, at the soul of that team. Right. So pulling him out of that. Um, I think it's going to be more harm than good unless you're getting a great player back. Right, and that's the tricky thing because obviously they thought that they were getting enough of a floor general in Derek White. Right. But Derek White played awful. In the right. Role. So. Right. And I, I thought they were too, and uh, clearly Derek White was not the player I made much for. Well, he was up until the finals. But here's the thing, right, is to me – Every like every team's gonna have issues throughout the season and injuries and all this kind of stuff, right? The Celtics had an average season. Like they had a valuable role player get hurt in the playoffs, but come back and play kind of injured, but that's kind of average. And everybody else was kind of there and their star players had some good games and some bad games and they didn't win. So the thing I don't buy is when team or when other people say, Oh, it's only gonna get tougher next year. Because, oh, Kawhi and PG and the Clippers and John Wall now, which, again, we'll go into that in Season 2, they're going to be healthy, and LeBron and the Lakers are going to be healthy, and Anthony Davis and all that kind of stuff. You to, and Jamal Murray's going to come back, and Michael Porter Jr. But you just remember, for everybody that comes back, somebody else is going to go down. Well, it's like, that, that's true to an extent, but we had we had the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, I think, I can't remember if it, for sure if it was the bubble season or not, where... Like, no, nobody was healthy. And I do think it was the championship that the maybe it was the Suns Bucks championship where it's like every team the Suns played lost a major player. 
Um, yeah, but ultimately you still have to go one through at least one bombshell team. Right, but the difference is like you say for everybody that's healthy, another player goes down, and that may be true. But for the Bucks, if Chris Middleton's healthy, but then Grayson Allen goes down, I think that's still a big net positive for the Bucks, and they beat the Celtics. Right. No, and I agree with that. But I think the difference is like, and I'm not even saying on a one to one ratio. But like, let's say because when we did our All NBA teams this year. We struggled because we were like, oh, yeah, but Kawhi's hurt and PG was hurt at the time. There were all these people down, right? And Dame Dame was just out injured, and then also the Blazers weren't good. And we looked at all that. So let's say there were 10 guys this year, like including Kawhi and everybody, that you really wish had played and that will make the team harder or make, make the league harder. Let's say all 10 of them come back, like Kawhi and Jamal Murray and Dame, and everybody, they're all back in the mix next year. Even if we lose five different guys, like really like at least A minus level players or A or A plus, like five strong players, we get 10 back and we lose five. The additional five, probably only one of them will affect something that you're doing. Right. Because they're all, so there'll be one that'll come back like, oh, Bradley Beal comes back and that's great, but. Washington is kind of still not going to make the playoffs or they'll be the last team in. That doesn't really affect you. And he's one of the five. And then a couple of the other five are in the other conference. And then out of the two out of the five that are in your conference, you might only play one of them in the playoffs. So to me, it's not like this. Oh, wow. The league's going to be a plus plus next year. Like it's going to be a total bloodbath to me. It'll be better next year because there were like 10 notable injuries this year. But I think we'll still have, we always have, four or five kind of major keystone injuries where we're like, oh, if this player didn't go down. Right. And I guess to me, it's less in terms of the entire league and more just thinking about the Celtics where it's like, if Chris Middleton's healthy and the Celtics won seven games with the Bucks, I don't think the Celtics won that series. And then you move on to the next series and you say, well, they went seven games with the Heat and Jimmy Butler was dragging around a bad leg and had like three bad games in that series one more good game and they lose that series. So it's like the Celtics just got to the finals for the first time. And Jason Tatum's young and Jalen Brown's young and Robert Williams is young. Um, But it's like, man, you probably would have gotten, wouldn't have gotten to the finals if the other teams were healthy and you were essentially healthy. Yeah. So it's, it's a matter of how do you get better so you can get back here because the other teams are getting better without actually making any moves. Speaking of other teams getting better. So I think we've kind of covered the finals now to the extent that we need to, in terms of the Warriors were great as expected and the Celtics unexpectedly struggled against the Warriors, but I think both teams were deserving of being in the finals. Right. And I know I talked about on one of the episodes of the podcast where I made a bet with Mitchell Adamson that the Warriors would win and I, I won. So that was great. But, um, I think it was kind of like that series for me, and that's why I bet on the Warriors. Like, it was as expected. That's kind of what I saw happening, and that's what happened. So now we can kind of get into, if you don't have anything else to add on that, other things you took away, because this is our season one finale for In the Clutch. We'll just cover the 2021-2022 NBA season. So what were kind of your other big takeaways from this year? Um. Steph Curry still not better than Magic. I know we might we might talk about that. Um, so I think he is top ten all time now. Um, so that's a takeaway from this year. The 
Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that because I think you have them over Magic. Um, well, expectedly though for me. But so there's that. There's that. Again, the league will be better next year. Denver will be healthy. Um, Utah is a mess. Utah um, is a mess. I don't. I don't know well, what exactly the happened run. there. Um, so I don't know if you ship out Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and just try to reset. I don't know if you can find a trade partner for Rudy Gobert. Um, well, you have to remember though that team was supposed to be. Sorry to go on a side tangent on you, but that team was supposed to be built around Rudy Gobert because like right. Donovan Mitchell kind of became Donovan Mitchell unexpectedly fast. Right, and Donovan Mitchell was like a 15th overall pick or whatever. Yeah. So he wasn't expected to be this kind of guy. Yeah, so um, it was supposed to be like Rudy Gobert's Defensive Player of the Year All-Star Big Man's team. And then it turned into, oh, no. Well, not oh, no, but like we have two All-Stars really quickly here, and now we're kind of going to make a push quicker than that. Uh, the Mavericks, I think, are really good, but I don't know how they get better enough to make the finals. Um. Well, they just have to get somebody to go play with Luca. I, I don't think the Lakers are going to fix themselves year after year. I'm just going through different takeaways. I think the Raptors are getting better. And I know this is kind of a Raptors podcast, so I'll talk a little bit more about that. But Fresh Chua is going to be better, hopefully. Um, OG is becoming more of a shot creator and scorer than he used to be. Van Fleet and Siakam are still who they are. Um I like the idea of Christian Coloco, who they just drafted, but I guess we'll get into that later. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think the Raptors are going to be better next year because they are young, so I think they might not be a legit contender yet, but could be a top four or five seed in the conference again and maybe win a playoff round or two. What a season for Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I don't great, think, great year for Scotty Barnes. I honestly forgot he was on the team just a second ago. but Yeah, just incredible. Which, for me, too, unexpectedly incredible, because I was on Team Suggs. And I understand, like, obviously, to be fair to Suggs, it's harder to make a big dent early as a guard in the NBA, because you do a lot of ball handling, and you get picked on by bigger, scarier professional guards, like Chris Paul, and, like, even veteran guards at this point, like DeJunte Murray, who's been a primary ball handler in the NBA for five years, and he's going to go pick on you you, every time he touches the ball, right? So, but... So to be fair to Suggs, yes, it is hard to be a guard in the NBA, I imagine. But I was so on Team Suggs. Like I'm was I'm doing social media for Raptors Cage, right? And I had like the Suggs graphic ready to post. Like I had it written out on Instagram. I was just about to press the post button and then they drafted Scotty Barnes and I was like, Oh my god. And then I was texting the Raptors Cage chat and I had um one of my colleagues there was set to post on Twitter and I was doing the Instagram one and we both panicked and he was like, how quickly can you throw together a whole nother graphic for this? So then I scrambled, did that, but you just, you can't doubt Masai because he's always right. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say I was on team Suggs or anything. I, I kind of, I knew, you knew going into the draft who the top four prospects were, you knew it was going to go Cade first. And then in some order you were going to have, Jalen Green, Mobley, and Suggs. And that was just kind of set. So I was like, fourth pick, Suggs is the fourth best prospect. We're going to get Suggs. And I just kind of accepted that. Yeah. And they drafted Scotty Barton. And I was like, Masai knows what he's doing. I, like, I, I trust this pick. I have no idea who this is. but I didn't trust the pick. I'm happy with it now, obviously. 
So yeah, on a a close to home note, that's something I took away from this year is wow. Scotty Barnes pretty good. Yeah. And hopefully uh, the whole team needs to shoot threes better. Cause I think that's what really cost them in uh, the third quarter of game six against 76ers. Um, Cause they, they are hurting for three point shooting. Cause by game six, it was over anyway. Well, that's a matter of opinion, I guess. But um, we, yeah, the, that team is hurting for three-point shooting because a lot of the times they only had two real three-point threats on the floor right. uh, in Van Fleet and Gary Trent. And even then, both of those two guys are streaky. And now, Fresh as a Chua seems to be a good three-point shooter, um, for a center at least. And OG is going to be a better three-point shooter. I don't think he was great this year, but I think he's good for his career. Um, so that team gets better from three naturally, but people like Scotty Barnes and even like Siakam, um, have got to work on hitting their threes because it will just improve the spacing so much. I thought Siakam had a surprising bounce back season. I thought it was a great bounce back season. I'm not sure if I was necessarily surprised by it. Um, he adapted to the league adapting to him. The league had kind of figured out, hey, he only spins one way all game, and they started to defend that. Well, um, he's like a, he was like a slightly better Julius Randle. Yeah, so he, he kind of did one thing. And now he's, yeah, he's, a, he's an all-star caliber player and well-deserving of, I believe he was on All-NBA 13. Yeah, so that's one thing I took away from him for sure. Uh, you muted yourself as you were talking. I don't know how that happened, but apparently I did. Good catch. But I was gonna—I was just saying that's one thing that I kind of took away from the season. It's just the Raptors, like a the young players are really good, and b they have a lot of potential. Another thing I took away from this season is you can fall real fast. It's like obviously. There are expected scenarios where teams fall real fast, like Raptors win the championship and then lose Kawhi, and then they fall. (laughs) But, like, the Lakers fell to the ground, and, like, the Hawks fell way down, and the Knicks fell way down, and Portland is, like, down the toilet now. So, like, things can go so bad so quickly in the NBA. Yeah, and that's fair. And I'm not even sure the Hawks got worse. I think they just didn't get better, and the rest of the conference did. And they didn't get the gift of playing the Knicks in the playoffs. Um, yeah, that's fair. Because who knows how the Knicks were like the four seed last year. But Yeah, that's what honestly. I mean. Like, look how much, if you look at the standings from two years ago versus this year, it's like night and day. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's, sure. It's big changes. All it really blows time. my mind to think that the Knicks actually were the four seed like last season. Yeah, I'm like, I'm boggled by it. So for 21-2022, it was Heat, Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, and then somehow the Raptors, Bulls, Nets, Hawks. Right. And then for 2020-2021, 76ers, Nets, Bucks, Knicks, Hawks, 4-5, and then mm-hmm. Heat, Celtics, Wizards. That's awesome. That's like that's a big change right there. That's not that's nothing to like look past. And the Raptors yeah, were that, that, that's kind of crazy. The next um, Julius Randle was good for one season, and well, and then we figured out he's going left. Yeah, fair enough. It, it took I, us a little bit. 
<laughs> took, took the league a year to say, hey, he's not actually very good. And now he's back. But um, so that that really stood out to me. Jokic is incredible, and the league is still dominated by bigs, as much as we like to talk about the league being dominated by wings. The league is dominated by wings. I don't entirely agree anymore. Playoff basketball is dominated by wings. Let's list your top six players in the league. All right. Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. <laughs> um, so, in no particular order. LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. Uh, Luka, depending on the day. Embiid, Jokic. That's six. You don't get any more. Okay. Oh, I didn't you can have seven if you want. Okay, you can well, have Kevin seven. Durant. Kevin Durant and Steph, right? Yeah, like that's what I mean, though. It's tricky because that's okay. a lot of a question. Let, let's just assume Steph is in there. So you gave eight. You've got four wings, two point guards, two centers. But the two, but they were ranked in no particular order. Right. But you're not ranking Embiid over, like, is are Embiid and Jokic better players than LeBron or Giannis or yeah, Kevin Durant? Giannis is a wing. He's not a wing. He's a he's a power forward. No, you're not a wing if you're a center that can run really fast. No, he's that's not Giannis, the definition of wing. Giannis is a he's not a center. He is a center. That's like that's like the whole LeBron isn't a point guard thing when LeBron brings the ball up the court, initiates the offense, and plays point guard. So can we, then why uh, why did uh, Jokic and Giannis both make first team All NBA if you can only have one center? No, didn't the NBA debate that you could have Jokic and Embiid? Or did yes, they ultimately but, vote that down? Well, no, that I think that was a possibility, but nobody voted for Embiid at forward, I don't think. Okay, but Giannis is a center. He's the primary screen setter. He guards the paint on offense, or on defense, I mean. I'm not sure he's a primary screen setter. He's also a primary ball handler. Well, yeah, he does both. He's also, Besides being a center or a wing, depending on their debate, he's also like a monster <laughs> he's not like a back to the basket guy yeah but that doesn't mean you're the modern center isn't back to the basket well with, with certain exceptions Jokic and Embiid are well Jokic and Embiid play everywhere because they're Jokic and Embiid right but they Embiid took post dominant shot 40% from three right but Embiid is the center and Giannis is the wing anyway we don't have to have that uh, uh conversation but, like, if you look at one thing, too, that another thing I really noticed this year is you forget how great some players are in the playoffs. Right. Because, like, regular season Jimmy, basketball, Jimmy basketball are so different. Yeah, like, Jimmy Bell, exactly. Jimmy Buckets really stands out as one. And then, like, Embiid, I thought was great in the playoffs until Siakam broke his face. Yeah, Which, to be fair, I thought was hilarious, and it's hard to recover from a broken face and keep playing. But, nevertheless, his face got broken. And... He was incredible in the playoffs because the whole game slowed down and he could clog up the paint on both offense and defense. Right. And so to me, it really stands out that you want to be good in the playoffs. And some players, and it's the same thing when you watch Kawhi. You're always like, and if you watch regular season Kawhi, you're like, oh, maybe he doesn't have it anymore, right? And then you watch playoff Kawhi completely control the game. You're like, oh, yeah, that's our guy. Yeah, and I know we talked about this. I, I think we talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago where it was like we were – 
halfway through the season going, man, does Jimmy Butler get on the officer team? Maybe, maybe he's one of the reserves. I don't know. Does he deserve? And then get to the playoffs and you're like, wow, Jimmy Butler is amazing. Exactly. Whereas there's Jaden Tatum, Tatum, Jason Tatum proves Jayden to be Jason. Just, You know what? They're both the same person. Jason Tatum proved to be better in the better in the regular season than he is in the playoffs for now, anyways. Right. So, and I think we need to get in the conversation relatively soon. I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about right this second um, of Steph Curry versus Magic Johnson. And can I just cover a couple more things? Yeah, go. Chris Paul's birthday ruined his life, apparently. Oh, ruined his whole life. That was wild. Chris Paul was great, turned 37, and then was awful. Do you want to hear... So, yeah, that was, like, his own comment. I didn't really have anything else to say that. He hit his birthday, played awful. Do you want to hear my quick synopsis of every team that made the playoffs this year? Sure. Okay. Suns, Chris Paul choked really badly. Grizzlies, too young, but they're up and coming. John Morant was hurt. Warriors won the championship. Mavericks, uh, Luka Doncic played great, and the supporting cast isn't there yet. Jazz, don't quite have enough to win a championship, and this is probably the last iteration of that. Nuggets, Jokic is healthy, and that's it. Timberwolves, uh, still kind of too young and putting pieces together, but Anthony Edwards will get better. Pelicans, wow, they're really scary if Zion is healthy ever. Okay, now we're in the Eastern Conference. Miami Heat, also don't have quite enough, but Jimmy Butler played really, really well. Celtics, we have to wait for Jason Tatum to get better, Jalen Brown to get better, and Tatum must turn the ball over less. Bucks, wow, I wish we, I wish Chris Middleton was healthy this year. 76ers, it's too bad Siakam broke Embiid's face. Raptors, Embiid's face, is, Embiid's face deserved to be broken. <laughs> and then Bulls, again, kind of like, uh, who do the Bulls match? It's the same description. Bulls and uh, Jazz are the same description. Just quite not good enough. Uh, the Nets. Wow, I wish they were healthy because they actually have a future. And then the Hawks, just kind of same thing as Bulls and Jazz. Not quite good enough. And that pretty much sums up what I thought of all the playoff teams from the 2021-2022 season. <laughs> I just have one comment, and it's on the on the Mavericks. You said the sporting cast isn't there yet, and I agree, and I think the Christian Wood trade was good for them. Um, Agreed. But it does seem like they're going to lose Jalen Brunson. Now, Tim Hardaway should be healthy, but I think those two additions, minus Jalen Brunson and your sporting cast, is close to the same. Um, I just I don't know how the Mavericks take the next step. Right. Um, and I don't know if it can be – it's obviously not going to be Rudy Gobert. They just trade for another center. I, I OG and Anobi would be great for them. And I'd be preparing to, I'd be prepared to give him up too, depending on what we got in return. I don't know. I know uh the Trailblazers will get him in the draft and now we're offered like the seventh overall pick and the Raptors are saying that's not nearly enough. And I think that's fair. Noji's a really that. good player. I, I for do you even know who got drafted seventh? Uh I actually do. Shane Sharp did, right? Yeah, but that's because I have a like he's from London, Ontario, and I know people who know him. So, oh, that—that's the only reason you would have made that trade. No, that's not the only reason. I would have made the trade just because I think as much. You as would trade OG and Obi for Shane Sharp right now. Yeah, just because it changes our timeline. I don't think OG's it personally. So Wait, here's my thing. With changed OG. our timeline. OG and Obi's twenty-four. I was on. Yeah, so it'll change the timeline by five years. I'll change. Wait, 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 wait! You gotta give me half a second, but. Okay. OG and Anobi, 
OJ Anobi is 24 years old, right? Yeah, so Shaden Sharp will change the timeline by... Shaden Sharp. I get. Uh, I thought Shane Sharp was one of the older prospects. I can't remember who that is then. You're you're right. Shane Sharp's 19, but I would yeah. not trade OG for Shane Sharp. Well, I would just because it wouldn't be that hard. It's not like trading. Let's say you're trading Bradley Beal for Shaden Sharp or something. Then I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. But all um, OG or all Shaden Sharp would have to do is just be like an above average role player, like an but above average. It's not, I guess a league not, average starter, and then he's at least met OGs. Right, but it's not about the the being an above average role player. It's about OG Anobi is the perfect player for the Raptors now, where he does not need the ball, but he's capable of creating his own shot. So he doesn't take. He's not capable of creating his own shot. <laughs> I have watched him create his own shot lots, but, yeah, but we watched Precious Achua create his own shot. That doesn't. No, we we didn't watch Precious Achua take Demontis Sabonis inside and bully him. Um. No. But shit. But OG is a great three point shooter and an elite NBA defender, and you don't get those that often. In I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue against his valuableness in the league or even potentially on the Raptors. Although like depending on how the, sh- the uh, direction we go and especially since we just drafted a big man, he- I don't think he necessarily fits as well as he once did. But here's the thing for me is in October, 2021, I went on the Raptors cage podcast with Jay, Umi and Eric. And we were talking about what we took away from the Raptors preseason because it was right in between preseason and the start of the NBA season. And the number one thing I talked about on the pod was that, we really watched OG start to create his own shot and play really well in preseason. Hopefully this is the year that we finally stop saying this is the year that OG can really create his own shot. And now I'm going to go into the next season and I'll be either, I guess, on the Raptors cage pod or on in the clutch this time around because we didn't come around until like November. And I'll be saying the same thing. But if, so- you, if you're saying the same thing, you didn't watch this year. OG was hurt for a large percentage of the season, but... Like when he was it. healthy, I watched him create his own shot against good defenses and score. I watched him take mid-range shot, like create off the dribble and take a mid-range and hit it. Like this is not something that was uncommon for OG. And we saw high higher scoring games than we've ever seen from him, where he's getting 26, 28 points. Um breaking news, kind of off topic. Uh, report that the San Antonio Spurs are trading DeJunte Murray to the Hawks for Gallinari and a package of picks. So we have Trey Young and DeJunte Murray on the same team now. That's wild. That's wild. That's a point guard shooting guard combo right there. Who's playing shooting guard? DeJounte? It's got to be, right? Oh, yeah. Because Trey Young, A, is short, and B, like he's such a great playmaker. And. That, that's a great trade for the Hawks. I don't necessarily understand for the Spurs. I, how many first-round picks did they get? Do you know? Uh, no, I'm just looking into that now. So, um, wow, we're like Woj here because this <laughs> podcast is going to come out right after this episode. So for anybody who's interested, I guess because that kind of timestamps us, it's June 29th. It's just about 6 o'clock. So that, our podcast is going to come out like 7 o'clock or something. And now that's going to be super relevant. Well, you can look into the trade package and I'll talk about the trade for a second. Um, that's a great trade for the Hawks. You get to pair Trey Young with uh, Dejounte at shooting guard instead of 
Kevin Herter, and that will should improve the defense significantly because obviously DeJounte is a good defender. Clint Capella is still there, and he's a good defender. And I think John Collins is a good defender, and I know DeAndre Hunter is a good defender. So now all of a sudden you only have one defensive liability in your backcourt instead of two. Um, I would have thought that the Spurs would demand more in a trade for DeJounte Murray. I would have thought they would need at least one more player in terms of even if whether it's John Collins or even if it's just like Kevin Herter or taking a flyer on Cam Reddish or I guess they already traded Cam Reddish to the Knicks. Um, but all the same, I would have thought the Spurs would need more in that deal and you look ready to talk. So, Yeah, I just found it. So the Spurs are trading DeJounte Murray to Atlanta for Danilo Gallinari, three first-round draft picks, and a draft swap. And that's per Adrian Wojnarowski. Huh, so three first-round picks, you said? Yeah. And a swap. And a swap, right. So um, that it, that's a lot of picks, and that kind of balances out a little bit more in my head. Um, obviously, the Hawks aren't planning to be bad, so hopefully for them, those picks aren't any good anyway. Um I just don't see how that makes them. And I thought the same thing about the Bulls last offseason when they like they got DeMar and they got Vucevic and they picked up Lonzo. And I was like, I don't see how that makes them better than a six seed. And I feel kind of a similar way with this Hawks team where I was, it's like, okay, that's a big move you just made, but you're still not a top four seed in the East. I don't agree with that because, well... It's hard to say whether they're a top four seed in the East because obviously it depends on what happens in Brooklyn and stuff like that. And sure. depends what Harden looks like, which apparently Harden's been working out. But I think that's more notable. <laughs> we say that like that's a big deal for an NBA player. <laughs> apparently Harden's been working out, guys. This is crazy. So to me, it's more notable because unlike watching the Bulls get DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic, so now they have DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic, we're watching the Hawks get DeJunte Murray where DeJunte Murray is like a triple-double waiting to happen any given night. And Trey Young is more dynamic of a player than anybody on the Bulls. Right. And so to yeah. me, that's actually like, you're right to me. I think I agree that the Bulls committed to being a sixth seed. I think the Hawks committed to being a sixth seed at minimum. Right. And I, I, I see what you mean. It I guess it's heavily dependent on how they mesh. I have not watched a lot of Spurs basketball. I watched like one game of them and DeJounte Murray seemed like a good player to me. Um, but I, I guess it depends on how he meshes on offense with Trey Young. And um, I know Trey Young, just watching Trey Young in the playoffs and seeing what he can do, Trey Young, I think, is capable of being a superstar and can be potentially in the future, the best player on a championship caliber team. So this is a big, this is a massive improvement to his supporting cast without a doubt. Yeah, it's big. And like putting, so you have Trey Young, who's a small guard who can't defend just by nature of like, he's really early in his career, which learning defense is hard. And then also he's a lot smaller than everybody else. Right. But then pairing him with a large guard who can defend very well, and then also pairing them on the floor with like John yep. Collins, who's kind of your dream four or five hybrid if you can't have a superstar. 
Like, it's kind of like Siakam, where if you're not going to have a superstar 4-5, then you kind of want Tobias Harris or Siakam or John Collins. Except Siakam is much better than John Collins. Oh, yeah. But same archetype of a player, right? So, like, because other than certain extreme situations, you can't have a superstar at every position. So, in the same way that kind of if you can't have a superstar, Ricky Rubio is a good point guard. It's the same thing for me where it's like, if you can't have a superstar, John Collins is kind of who you want at your 4-5 or, or Siakam or Tobias Harris, but like somebody like that. And then pair that with two super dynamic guards. You have Clint Capella as a lob threat kind of all the time, and then you're not doing too bad. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how good a three-point shooter DeJounte Murray is. Um, I might pull that up quickly because I don't think he's a great one, although I – think he's okay um he shot about 33 he shoots about 33 percent for his career um so not a great three-point shooter and Clint Capella is obviously not a three-point shooter I don't think John Collins is even a particularly good three-point shooter yeah no I think John Collins is like 40 percent but I'll double check. okay maybe I'm wrong about John Collins then otherwise if, if he's not everything I just said was a waste because everything um, I prefaced about him being like your dream four or five is because he was a good shooter Yes, he, he shot 36.5%, which is above league average. Um, almost 60% from the field. Right, so almost 60% from the field. Uh, he shot 52.6% from the field. You might be looking Sorry, at... Almost 60% from two. Okay, yes. That's what I, meant, uh, I didn't say. Uh, so, yeah, I think that trade improves your defense a lot. You now have somebody you can put on the best guard on opposing teams, which is a big deal. And DeAndre Hunter is a good defender, and... Clink Powell is a good defender. Um, so I think that just means they match up a lot better with anybody they play. Yeah, that's fair. I think, and then, so going for what the Spurs are getting out of that, because I know that's probably what everybody's asking, it's pretty clear that the Spurs are not going to be able to put together a good enough team quickly enough around DeJunte Murray. And if you're DeJunte, like, Pop's going to retire soon, so he'll lose the coach, and they're just going to have to kind of clean slate the whole thing. So it makes sense for them, because I actually think, they got a really good haul. Like, Danilo Gallinari will be just be kind of an expiring contract for that team. But then to actually get three firsts and a swap, that's a really strong haul for DeJunte Murray. So then it is like a good reset for them. And there's no way next time he hit free agency that he was really going to stick around. Yeah, and I would imagine with this trade, Jack of Pearl's got to get traded too. Why, like, why keep him around? Yeah, like that's what I mean. So that'll be another player on the move. And that should get you, I'd imagine Yakupero would net you at least one more first-round pick. Um, so, yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting to see the Spurs next season probably just tank. Um, but they got the picks for it. And maybe maybe Greg Popovich retires, like, now because his team's going to just suck. But Yakupero to Portland, maybe? With For Yusuf Nurkic or with Yusuf Nurkic? With Yusuf Nurkic? You're going to play two non-shooting centers side-by-side? Side? No, you don't play them side-by-side. Side. You play one off the bench. I, I don't know if you make a trade for Jakob Pertl to be your backup center. I think I think he's too good, and the asking price for him will be too high to ask him to be your backup. Yeah, I guess that's fair. It's just an initial thought. And then the other thing, so kind of going back to our earlier conversation now that we've seen this, so the price of DeJunte Murray is three firsts, a pick swap, and a decent player that will end up just flipping for something else or buying yeah. out or whatever. 
or playing him as a veteran. Do you think then the price for OG and Anobi is two picks, two firsts? Three yeah, I, I'd say at least two firsts and uh, an okay young player. Yeah, I guess that'd be it. It'd be two firsts. And a, so, yeah, that's actually interesting because that kind of helps to set market value. Yeah, I, I'm sure everybody's watching that. Like Brunson and everybody must just be having their eye on what just happened. Well, I Brunson, I believe, is an unrestricted, restricted yeah, free agent. We live in an era where a sign-in trade is always – like a sign-in trade is the new free agency, right? Right, but uh, considering, and I know we're going to talk about this next episode, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but considering the amount of money the Knicks are going to offer him, I'm not sure uh, the Mavericks are going to match it. So I think Brunson might just be an outright free agent signing. Yeah, but that's fair. But like you said, we'll have to wait and see on that. So that was kind of interesting. We got some groundbreaking news mid-pod here. I feel like we're NBA insiders. Yeah, that that's that's a fun new know. thing we've done, yeah. I know. Well, can you imagine? Like you're on ESPN Live, and then they just tell you that, and you're like, same thing like it was for us. You just got to come up with on the fly what you what you think of that. So there you go. We got to we got to live our dream of being on like an ESPN type thing. So we probably are going to get uh get an episode out on DeJounte Murray to the to the Hawks before you know, woes. Yeah, yeah, we'll be ahead of the we'll be ahead of Brian Windhorse and the Hoop Collective here. Everybody listen to us. Maybe yeah, the, the low post will have an episode on this as soon as we do, so you're welcome. How mad are you going to be at the low post? It's like a 15-minute episode, and they post it right after two hours. That's where all our viewership goes, you know. Yeah, I'd be um, pretty good at that. So anyway, so that's all we have for episode 22 of the In the Clutch podcast. And also, that's it for season one. So believe it or not, we're already like, that's 22 episodes in season one, 22 weeks. And we've got something a little bit different planned for season two. So season one is ending now with kind of the end of the 21-22 season. And then from there... We've got some new ideas in mind for season two of how we're going to switch things up. So in the clutch, we'll be looking a little bit different, but we'll be coming at you with season two starting next week. So we're looking forward to having you all listening. And thank you for listening to season one of the In the Clutch podcast.